0: I am uh, Kevin Brooks. I am the Principal Digital Strategist for ServiceNow,
1: servicing the DOD and the IC. And um, in my role, I get to talk about how ServiceNow and how technology as a whole can help move the work of development from this pie-in-the-sky secret sauce lab to the actual hands of the workers who are doing the job. Because really, when you think about it, Uh, That's where we're going to get the most bang for our buck. So next slide, please. This is our safe harbor slide, you know, kind of the non-attribution. Any promises made here are strictly uh, between you and me. (laughs) Next slide, please. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the imperatives that we feel are uh, out there driving the need for a more um, human-centered design uh, and worker development program uh, and talk about human centered design for a little bit and uh, getting to defining what moving the development to the work where the work is done means and then focusing on what we call the moments that matter. Really, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about um, the wave of the future for how to empower our workforce and service members to become developers. Next slide, please. So what are some of the imperatives? So I like this quote at the top. I won't read it to you. You can read that yourself, but uh, it talks about delivering and and delivering an elevated experience from everywhere to support our service members. Mm -hmm. There's this conversation right now about hybrid work. Well, if you think about the Department of Defense, they've always been remote. You know, troops are all over the world uh, and they always have been. They always will be. So uh, distant remote work is not new to the Department of Defense, but uh, how do we get that support into the hands of service members everywhere is is evolving. You know, your desire to attract and to retain top talent. There is a competition for talent. Uh, if you look at the latest statistics, the propensity to serve is decreasing in younger generations. So there's going to have to be an elevated conversation about how we bring those folks in. You want to drive productivity from anywhere with omni-channel experiences. Uh, the old, uh, you know, Brick radios are, are gone, uh, we have everyone has a digital device, and we have to understand how to engage our workforce and our service members, no matter where those where they are, through different means, not just your laptop, not just your personal device, not just your work device. There's lots of means to get there. And then finally, we want to mitigate the compliance risk related to employee relations. I throw that in there because really we're at a very challenging time right now, and it goes back to that second bullet about retaining talent. I have to understand
0: how we bring employees into the fold to get better outcomes. Next slide, please. So issues that, that impact are ready force Again, another quote that I won't read, let's read yourself,
1: but I like that one as well. So there's a disparity between the digital ease of our service members' work life and their personal lives. I mean, that's that's just a given. And when you think about how you live your day-to-day life as a consumer uh, or as a customer of something, and then how you live your, pers- your, your your work life, that gulf is growing every single day, and it's growing rapidly. And the technical debt continues to lift and lift and lift. That's a concern that should be a concern. The Frustration with permeability between active reserve and civilian roles. Um, as our last panel talked about, they got frustrated with their work. They were frustrated with what they were doing and it was like they, were, they were kind of topped out. Well, what if they could have been to put on a uniform for, for a year and a half and been given a certain grade to help effect that change? Uh, how about coming from reserve back to active duty or vice versa? So there's a lack of permeability and there's technical solutions out there that might be able to help us look at how we manage talent better when it comes to moving from role to role to keep, keep and retain that talent. Uh, Inefficient system access that limits the ability to work when and where they want. That's one of the biggest things that the pandemic has shown is people can work in a lot of different places. And as I said earlier, the Department of Defense has always had remote workers, but now we're talking about staff work as well or development work. Why do they have to be sitting in the Pentagon? Why do they have to be at Tax River? Why do they have to be at Langley Air Force Base, Virginia? Why can't they be supporting it from, uh, from South Dakota or from Jackson Hole or from Aspen? Oh, some nice places. Why wouldn't we want folks to work there and expand that talent pool? But we have to get the systems in place that allow that access to happen. Generational and other dynamic uh, demographic shifts that are impacting recruiting. And this is the kind of the one that ties back all these threads together is the workforce is changing. And if the DOD doesn't adapt to those changes in a way that's significant, they're going to have an issue with keeping a force that's ready and willing. We have an all-volunteer force, which means people get to vote with their feet. And again, referring back to our last panel, those gentlemen chose to fit to stay because they have found an agency that fit their needs and fit their goals, which means we have to think about that on scale. How do we create a department of defense that fits the needs and goals of the younger generation as they start moving up into the, through the through the moving up through the pipeline? Next slide, please. So here's what we look at and how we want to talk about what that environment would look like from the higher level, from the, from the macro level. You want to cl- create solutions that address the digital transformation and the service member experience. And there's three big bins that I like to talk about. It's building credibility and trust. You want to have an integrated, achievable goals and solutions, and then align and evolving. So you want to align that with the mission of the organization, and it has to evolve along with the, that mission set and with your workers' expectations. So you, all three of those have to be aligned. The vision is very easy, you know, a team approach that partners industry with DOD. So we have lots of vision in the DOD, and I say that as a veteran. We have lots of vision. <laughs> so the question is, how do you then tie that vision back to the top and build credibility and trust in that vision so that your employees and your, your service members uh, buy into it? Mission. Our mission is very clear, but in a technical environment, uh, we have to, it, it gets a little bit more wonky. You, know, you want to architect large enterprise and multi-product solutions that can integrate into the complex environment that already exists. You can't just start from scratch with the DOD. There's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of moving parts. How do we integrate all of that at scale to make sure that moving forward, we can plug into that and still drive a mission set? And then finally, the approach. Um, you know, it's really easy to say we're going to rip and replace, but you really can't do that. You have to think about how do you build solutions that can be scaled from local to global or global to local and support the stakeholders while finding the opportunities to drive innovation. And all of these things
0: together kind of make up, what we're talking about, we talk, start talking about human-centered design. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Build it out. Thank you. So digital experience best practices.
1: To get to that place, you have to understand your work and where the data is to do that work. And that requires a good governance model around both your data and your systems. You have to rethink and redefine processes. So pick your work and workflows that matter and break down those silos that exist in your data and the work to create efficient and uh, simplify interactions. Really, what i have like to say is you don't want to put a digital solution on an analog process. You really need to look at it and break it down. And you wanna measure outcomes and show value. Value. You have to measure what you're doing. You have to measure, is it working? And if not, then you reiterate and you start again, or you move on to the next iterations that will work better. So that you have to pull all the stakeholders in, the service members, their families, the greater team that's
0: doing that work, other government agencies and elected officials, if you need to, to get the job done. Next slide, please. So creating a connected and engaging experience for your modern workforce uh, involves
1: a, a, a series of things. Talk about moving the work to where work is done, uh, moving development where work is done. So at that bottom layer there, those are all the tools that are out there. And those are just examples of tools that may be working in your agency, may not be. Um, but they're all siloed. They're all boxed in their little boxes. Well, how do you get them up a level? Well, that middle layer is where you have your workflow, your experiences, a platform, business intelligence, and an integrations. All those things bring all that data together out of their silos to become a common system of action for an employee. And that's really the goal, no matter which platform you're using. I'm obviously gonna talk about our platform, but this is what you this is the goal. Uh the employees shouldn't have to have multiple sign-ons, they shouldn't have to go to multiple systems and do swivel chair
0: work for elevated experience. Next slide, please. Please build it out. Thank you. So let's talk citizen development for a little bit or service member development for a little bit. What it's not,
1: it's not automating unproductive workflows as I talked about a minute ago. Uh, it's eliminating workarounds and creating efficiencies. You do not want to just put, um, you don't want to take the old holy Joe workflow process and put it into a nice shiny new system expect it to actually save you anything. You really need to reinvent how you do this. Secondly, you need to, it doesn't rebuild redundant applications. If you have applications that are already being used and you are, um, you have a, a sufficient solution, you don't need to build a new solution if that one works. You can integrate it, but you don't want to build a solution that's, that's redundant to what you already do. And it's not creating shadow IT. All work is done in the governance structure, so you don't want to, you don't want to increase sprawl. Uh, this is a big one for our CIOs and for those mission owners and how they get together. Uh, that governance model matters because shadow IT is scary and it's out there. And it creates that, te- create it increases the technical
0: debt rather than eliminating what we really are trying to do here. Next slide, please. And build it out. Sorry. There we go. Okay. Go ahead and build those last three little icons
1: out. There we go, thank you. (laughs) So what can citizen development do? Uh, Catalog items are the easiest ones. I mean, so let's take example, and I'll use my own personal example. I came from a, uh, a support background and there are probably a thousand different catalog items that go on any given day in a support agency taking care of customers and fellow service members. Well, the airmen at the the airmen, soldier, sailor, marine guardian at the bottom of that chain, they probably have the best insight on how to better streamline that. Let them do those things. Task approval and routing, same thing. You know, a request for review and create a workflow for approvals of tasks. You can deflect a lot of your work if you just do that. That would save so many man hours to allow our people who are thinking about things to really think about things rather than having to do repetitive processes. And which leads us to the last one, which is automating of manual processes. That's probably the secret sauce to to develop up uh, to citizen development. It's hyper automation, proactively and automatically review and track routine tasks and repetitive processes. Get those out of the hands of humans. who don't need to see them. Let the machine learning, let the A.I. help you. You can even refine your processes and your policies through this because the ML will tell you, hey, this also could be automated. This also could be automated, rather than just relying on what you already think you know about this with the process. So really hyper automation is the secret sauce behind it. And you have to let
0: the people who are doing the job tell you where that needs to happen. Next slide, please. So here's what everybody wants. Bill it out, please. You want a single system of engagement,
1: I want to know, I want to do, I want to help, I need care. Those agency departments in the middle, you need to have a single system of action. So they're all working together. We're not having this siloed experience. You don't want to go to finance to only be told to go to HR, only be told to go to IT. Oh, now go to security. Go back to finance because they didn't sign this box. That is not what you want. (laughs) That's not what we want to deliver. That is not the right level of engagement for our employees. So you want to have a single system of action that allows all the departments to talk to each other and fulfill requests at a, at a much more, fast, more speed fast. And then finally, you want the single system of insights. Data-driven decision-making is a big deal in the DOD. However, it's not done very well in the DOD, having spent 26 years in the DOD. <laughs> so uh, we need a better way of getting decision-level data to our senior leaders and it needs to be in a digestible format and a way they want to, they, they, they want to present it to them. So having a single system of insight, which brings all that data to the surface for them and allows them to manipulate it in a way that they, it makes it easy for them to digest and act on is key to this whole process. So from engagement to action to insights and then repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. That's the nirvana. That's where we need to move forward to as we talk about uh, citizen development and resource center development and hyper automation. Next slide, please. So focusing on those moments that matter, as we talked about, it, forget it again. This I want to know. You want to search for a policy? How do I do this process-related thing? How do I do that? Um, I want to do it on my phone. I want to do it on my laptop. You know, I want to either do it. In the, I want to do it in a chat with my with my coworkers or I want to do a chat with a, with a, with the a AI. I want to do I want to complete simple tasks on my own. I don't want to have to go somewhere else. I don't want to have to work around my your schedule. I want to do it on my time when I want to do it. And if it's needs more help than that then I elevate to the I need help. Uh, you can re- resolve issues that are that are or complete complex tasks if you choose to. If you get the right guided help, so virtual assistance, again using ML and AI to help guide you to how you get the help you really need, whether that's elevating and escalating it to a to a uh, a trouble ticket to a tier one or tier three level, that's fine. But you have to start somewhere, and having those that support available to you and knowing where to get it is a big moment that matters. And then finally, and this is really important, narrative in my heart is: I need care. I need help. I need help beyond just technical stuff. I want that information that matters to me, how to take care of my family. I'm deploying and I wanna increase my SGLI. I'm deploying, I need to do a new family care plan. I'm a single parent and I need help finding childcare in a certain area. There are lots of different ways where our service members really need help. And this is one of those areas where we haven't leaned into uh, technology enough. We really need to expand our aperture and understand. And you know who can do that? Our caregivers, the care network can do that. So you have to pull them into that development cycle because they understand every day what those parents are going through, what that service is going through, what those spouses are going through and what have you. And so allowing all of those that, that community into the development cycle will get us that care much faster. Slide, please. So I, I want at least time for questions. So that's why I kind of, I went through the slides somewhat quickly, but I definitely want to leave time for questions. And I'm excited about citizen development. It's one of my my passions. Um, having worked on the non-IT side most of my career, I've always said, "Why are they doing it that way? Why can't we just do this? Can't you put a button there?" And so now I get to I get a chance to impact that, and I'm really excited about it. So Troy, I'll turn it back over to you, and we can just ask questions till you're tired of me.
2: All right. Thank you very much. Well, I think our our timekeepers will stop us before I'm tired of you. But uh, <laughs> the uh, the one of the things that's been a recurring theme today is is like managing that complexity, not forcing things into a one size fits all, but not letting the the sprawl get to the point where it can't be maintained. And you touched on that a little bit, but I'm wondering, you know, do you have your kind of personal criteria for deciding when um, uh, you know, when adding new tools to the toolbox makes sense and when it's um, the, the benefit doesn't justify the cost.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you have to have a, a really good platform owner and the governance around that platform owner. Uh, the, you know, obviously it's everything starts with dollars. What can we afford? Uh, and then go from there. And then I like to talk about uh, your bringing your, having, having lower level users in the governance. A lot of governance tends to be very top down and the final decision maker is way at the top. Well, at some point you need to have somebody who's really doing the work be in the room with those individuals saying, here's the cost if we don't do this. Or, hey, here's the benefit if we do do this. Sometimes we get very myopic and say, first in, first out, or, hey, this will have the bigger bang long-term. But I like to look at it and say, well, what will have the biggest bang now? So if I can knock off six or seven easy things today, versus two or three complex things in a month, give me the six or seven easy things today, because that will again anything you chip off the backlog of that technical debt matters.
2: Very good. And um, in this process, you know, of of trying to create the space to um uh you know to to allow for um. <clears throat> you know for more agile development of of these new tools and and services for the the end users um there's uh, there's the risk of just adding um you know adding ever more systems uh to the the process and i'm wondering if um you know if there are things in the framework that you discuss that that really help to account for the upside of the of the devsecops equation and making sure that the uh you know that the staffing and the um, and the budget are in place to um, to maintain these systems as they're as they're developed and iterated.
1: Well, hopefully you're replacing you're yeah. replacing redundant systems uh, if you're doing it appropriately. And that's why I say the workers. So, example, if you've got an HR ERP that's sitting there and you are simplifying processes, you're either going to be saving manpower uh, by integrating with that ERP, or you're going to be saving. Uh, Saving another getting another another tool that might be integrated with that ERP already the, the goal would be to eliminate other costs as you move along and also simplify the, the the framework you have you know the the architecture gets so much easier if you only have one or two things you're talking to versus seven or eight things you're talking to, and that should be the goal as you move forward
2: very good and and then sort of one more question on that uh, that that basic thread i was you know I was struck in the previous session about you know talking about how to build in resiliency and, and allow for multiple points of, of, of failure. Um, how, you know, how do you think about the, the resiliency of, of these systems and, and how can the, um, uh, can the approach that you were outlining in your presentation help to, um, uh, to make things that are certainly secure and hardened, but are, um, uh, that are gonna be adaptable and resilient to the, in, to the inevitable um, hiccups that come along?
1: Uh, well, I mean, that's just kind of the, the nature of, of, of agile, right? So it's, yeah. it's in those, in those development sprints that we're doing with citizen developers, you know, we're saying we're going to fail. It's going to be ugly, but we're going to take customer feedback. We're going to get the employee feedback and we're going to make it better as we go along. It's a, I mean, it's a leadership issue is like you've just got to be willing to accept that it's not going to be perfect out of the box and customers are okay with that. I mean, if you think about, um, you know, I, I, I won't name my bank, but my bank keeps changing the UI on my mobile application. And it's getting better each time, but I'm frustrated each time, but I understand it's getting better each time. Uh, I think that our workforce gets that. I think that's part of the messaging and part of the, uh, we I, We haven't talked about OCM a lot in this, in, the, in this session today, but that's a lot of the OCM part of that is how do you get your workforce to understand it's going to get better. It may look worse before it gets better, but even what we're doing that failed was actually an improvement on what we were doing before that worked very wonkily
0: with a lot of muscle.
2: Right, right. Very good. Well, uh, Kevin, we are going to have to leave it there, but I appreciate a great presentation and and for you taking part in today's event.
0: Thanks, Troy. I appreciate it. Uh